Dark Hour. What episode is this? Oh, God. 16? Oh, my God. I think it's 16. Oh, my God. I think you're right. Because I think the last Head Bunny was 15. Mm hmm. Holy shit. That's 16. And do you want to reveal what we're doing our topic on today? Yeah. We're we're, we're doing another foray into the land of um, disasters. Moving away from serial killers, because Ted Bundy almost broke us. Yeah, fuck Ted Bundy. We needed to get away from that a little bit. So we are doing the Hillsborough disaster, which most people I know have never heard of. I sure didn't hear about it before you. Although I had seen, (laughs) thank you, I had seen images of it, but didn't know that that's what it was. Like I didn't put the two and two together. Yeah, I don't, I didn't either until relatively recently. Okay, so what was your first experience like with Hillsborough? What made you so interested about Hillsborough? Okay, so this was uh, a, a soccer match where 96 people were crushed to death. And this happened in 1989 when I was in fourth grade. Oh shit, do you remember it? Yeah. And the reason I remember it is that it was in, I'm thinking Newsweek magazine. It was either Newsweek or Time. It was one of those weekly magazines that we got. And I I remember opening it up and there were photographs, the famous photographs, which were taken from the field of people crushed up against the chain link fence. And they're blue and they're, they're, they're dead. Yeah. I mean, they're clearly like, you're looking at dead and dying people. Yeah. And I was 10 years old and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like it <laughs> fucked me up. But then I forgot about it until, I mean, very recently, like this last year, because we'll get to this, but the, the police chief who was in charge of supervising the soccer game duck, was. Wait, Duckworth? Duck, Duck, Duck and Field. Duck and duck Field. Um, was I think convicted of manslaughter. Oh shit. Yeah. And and I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. Anyway, so that that's my whole story with that. Whoa. Mm. And you don't you have no childhood story. Well, I don't have a childhood story, but when I was like mm, 17, I think, I found this book called Underexposed, and it's all of these um images from journalism that were, like, not allowed to be released or were, like, were were released and caused a bunch of controversy. And, like, there's so many fucked up things in there. Like, there's, like, a ton of, like, prisoner of war pictures. There's ones of, like, um, remember, like, in Black Hawk Down, that whole incident where that, like, the Somali people grabbed that dead... Or I don't know if he was... I think he was dead already. I think he was dead and... But, like, dragged dragged him him through the streets and were, like, stepping on him. And, like, so it was pictures like that. There's one of, like, a man who died in an electric chair. And there's fucking, like, blood. His nose is bleeding. It's, like, really gross. Hmm. But one of the ones that fucked me up really bad was 
this picture of, and you could tell it's 80s because the hair. Oh my God, the hair. Um, it's very it's, tall. It was like my mom's hair. Um, but this woman is like up against the chain link fence and she has her hand kind of over her face. Like you can tell she's like grabbing onto the chain link, trying to like move it and get some air because she was so crushed up against it. Um, and there's like all these people whose like faces are mashed up. I don't know if there's like anyone who's blue purple or anything there's two, but there's two different sets of pictures that were yeah. taken there's one of that one and that one's really close up she's really close up and the, but there's somebody and she actually survived that oh, that's, that's what's so good. fucked up about this is yeah. that because you know there's not that many people who died you yeah. can actually like pick them out of the pictures Ooh. like oh that person i know that person's name but so that woman survived because yeah. I think she's doing kind of this situation yeah. but there's somebody like down here <gasps> yeah who's totally blue Ooh. Yeah, they're not like the focal point of the picture, but you can see them down there. Yeah, and I don't think in the book they showed that because I think I would have been like they cropped Fuck. it. Fuck yeah. yeah, I think they. It was like a super close up picture of kind of just her. Um, but then I realized like after you because I okay this is what was happening I was laying in bed because it was summer and I don't do anything <laughs> but lay in bed when it was summer and I'm sure and, I texted you and was like look this up yeah you were like have you heard of Hillsborough disaster and I was like what. Because, of course, you always, like, turn me on to, like, all these good <laughs> things. And so then I spent a bunch of time researching and watching stuff about it. And then I saw that picture and was like, oh, shit. It's that. Yeah, it's that yeah. picture. Yeah. So that's kind of my whole thing with it. And, and listeners, if you want to, I guess you could Google this. Warning, though. This, it, I do find these images very disturbing. So, I mean, and they kind of get burned in your brain. But at the same time, if you haven't seen them, I'm sure you kind of want to look. I get it. I well, I want to look a lot, so. And I think they're, like, almost more horrifying because you sort of, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I, I at least put myself in that situation and, like, think about, okay, like, with a killer, right? Like, the, this is, like, a person who's acting with, like, this malicious intent. Like, their goal is to kill a person. But, like, when you go just to, like, something, to, like, fu- some fucking sports thing, which I also would just never go to. But, like, <laughs> yeah. if you do that, you're not expecting to, like, go get killed. It's, like, those two things are, like, incongruous anyway. And then also, like, imagine how stressful that would be. Just, like, oh, I'm getting crushed by, like, a shit ton of fucking people pushing up against me. I mean, and, and, that's, and that's a that slow is. and very scary way to die. Ugh. And so, yeah. So you're watching people die in an extremely oh unpleasant way in slow motion. And oh there's God. a lot of them. Yeah. It's not just one person. It's oh like a God. whole bunch. So, And we have so uh, many stories to tell you of this. Holy shit. So let's start with the background, Carrie. Well, and my notes are kind of out of order uh, a little bit because... The first section is just like, this is what happened the day of. Um, and I don't know if Ooh. we just start with that, but then I also go into like... No, let's talk about the background. Okay. So, okay, I'm going to scroll down then a little okay. bit in the notes because what's interesting to me... Okay, so just like Mount Everest and mountain climbing, I don't give two shits about soccer. I don't care about soccer. Yeah. I don't care about sports. But <laughs> what I do find interesting is the whole... Idea of the place that soccer held in British or English culture and the whole thing of hooliganism that yeah. was going on in like the 70s and 80s. 
So there's that aspect. And then there's also the aspect of all of these stadiums that were built that were really old and hella dangerous. Mm-hmm. So there were two things happening at the same time. So there's this history of, of people being drunk and violent and terrifying at soccer games. And then you have these buildings that they're having the soccer games in that are just incredibly dangerous. And then those things happening at the same time. So there, there's a history of really fucked up things happening at soccer events. This is just the worst one. Yeah. This is not the only one. And so, like, side note about the whole sports thing. Uh, like, I hate sports more than probably anything. Like, probably even more than genocide. Um, and so the book that we read this week is called <laughs> Hillsboro: The Truth by Phil Scrayton. Scrayton? Scrayton. Really? Is that his name? You're correct. It's like Scranton, but they left out the end. Yeah. The first end. And I like, okay, I can imagine this book being really interesting, especially if you're really into soccer and also maybe England (laughs) and soccer in England. (laughs) But okay, I think my like hatred of sports, like I just like, I don't understand. I like don't get it. So I kind of had a hard time with this book this, this week. Well, I'll, and I'll support Morgan that I agree that I I was more interested than she was but I still was like only read the first quarter of it the whole rest of it is really boring I did make it 168 pages in that's all you need to do yeah. the whole rest of the book is not worth reading yeah but plus th- there's a really good documentary BBC documentary which I feel like it's just as good yeah you it's get, super artfully done the only thing I liked about this is it turned me on to one other disaster <gasps> That happened three, right? Four years earlier. Oh my god! Okay, so tell us, tell us, give us the background. Okay, well let's let's see the background of like a couple. Okay, a couple um, soccer disasters. So there was, uh, Ibrox, Ibrox. I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah. Okay, here's the queenie. Here's the fucked up thing. So this was in Scotland. There were two separate incidents oh, at this stadium. So one was in 1902, one was in 1971. Jesus. So the 1902 one... Wait, when were these fucking things built? They're super old. The Hillsborough Stadium was built in 1899. What? Yeah, they're really old. What the fuck? See, that's that's England. Like, everything's just old over there. So, I like, it doesn't it. even seem that old <laughs> to them. They're probably just like, oh, yeah, that's a normal... That's a normal age for something to be... Yes. So, it rocks... Uh, the first one was there. They had wooden stands, and the stands oh, collapsed. God, and a whole bunch was that of one in nineteen oh two? That's the nineteen oh two one. And then in nineteen seventy one, this one's <laughs> fucked up and totally worth reading about. By the way, just everybody. So they, it was a soccer stadium, same thing, and there were really steep stairs that kind of on the sides of the stands oh, that you would shit. go down. And there was a bunch of different staircases, and there was one called Staircase Thirteen. Oh, no, you don't name a staircase staircase 13. You just skip that one. Yeah, it was 14 now. Uh, And it was the one that was closest to like the bus stop or something. Like there's some reason why it was used more often than the others. So all of these, the game was over and all these fans were like going down the stairs and they don't know what happened, but they think that a dad with a kid on his shoulders, uh, the kid fell off. Oh, shit. And then the dad tried to get him and it like created this like chain reaction where like everybody like fell on top of each other because they were on the stairs. So like, I think in that one, like 60 people died. Oh my fucking God. So yeah, just oops. Because they don't have safe, there's no safety apparatus in place whatsoever. Oh my God. But they fell or they died, they died from people falling on top of them. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Did the kid die? 
that was on the <laughs> That I don't know, but maybe. Kids are always dying in this shit. Right? Oh my god, so many kids dying. So many kids die. Uh, and then there's... The, the thing that the book introduced me to was <gasps> the fire. Oh my god, I love this one. Which you can talk about too, which was the Bradford Stadium fire in okay. 1985. Because you watched the video. Right? So fucked up. No, I did not watch oh, the video. Oh, you need to. It's on YouTube and it's incredible. No, it sounds scary. It is scary, oh but God. totally worth watching. Okay, so this is so fucked up. So, okay, there was like, back in the day, and they don't do this now because of this, but like, there would be like the kind of like concrete floor, and then they would have wooden, like um, like a wooden platform that people would stand on, so like a wooden stand, and it was like board, like planks, and so there were, like, holes in between the planks. And, like, people obviously standing there are just going to, like, drop their fucking shit. Like, oh, here's my newspaper. Here's my fucking, like, food tr- garbage. So this happened for, like, it was, like, fucking 30 years. Just, like, 30 years of garbage underneath this thing where all these people were standing. And in 1985, all these folks were there just, like, watching a game and were standing on this, like, wooden, like, deck kind of thing. And... either like a dropped match or like a cigarette or something ignited all of the garbage underneath and just fucking burned like how many people was it wasn't it like 30 30 something 30 something people died yeah and like it's crazy because they were talking about how like people like they could see smoke coming up and like people were just kind of looking around um and then by the time they realized what was happening it was like too late so you would be standing there and you would things would be burning underneath, and you can't move because there's just a shit ton of people around you, yeah. and then you just burn alive. Yeah. That's your experience dying. Like, what the fuck? That's such a fucked up thing. It's, oh my god. It's not okay. You need, and everybody needs to go find the video on YouTube, because they were filming the soccer game. And oh it is, it's mind-blowing, because they're, like, filming the soccer game, and then they're like, Huh. It looks like there's a small fire in the state in the stands over there, and it is. It's a small fire, and you can oh see it. And people are kind of like, "Huh," and they're kind of moving away from it. And it's like, "Yeah, whatever." Within like ten seconds, the entire fucking thing goes up. Oh my it's god! It's so scary. Oh my god! And there's like like this guy like runs back to grab somebody, and he comes out, and he's on fire. <gasps> like it's so like chilling. I highly recommend you watch it. Okay, so just on that side note, I have to talk about this because we talked about it this week. So Carrie was like oh my god, have you heard of the Great White Fire? And I was, or wait, no, the Great White, what was it? Uh, the Great White Something is that, Fire. Is that the band? Yeah. Um, the Station, the Station yeah, Fire. The Station it's the, Fire. It's the, great, the, the band, band great was White. Great White. So, like, there's a video, and this was from 2012, and this band, Great White, was playing at this place called The Station, and they had these fucking fireworks inside this tiny-ass club, and there's a video of the entire thing, and, like, what it's just like what's so crazy about this whole thing to me is that like it takes so long for people to realize what's happening and react so like with this with these people right it's like oh there's a small fire and people are just kind of like looking at it like whatever that like instinct to like run doesn't kick in really until it's you're like fucked so in this great white fire or the station fire sorry gross oh my god it's my sandwich it tastes like barf <laughs> like i told you um okay but anyway in this station fire like you see, oh, like, oh, it looks like the little, like, drapes are on fire. And then all of a sudden, it's, just, like, fucking crazy. Within, the like, whole ceiling is on yeah, fire. Yeah, seriously. And it was, like, 90 seconds before, um, like, everything was just, like, 
in flames, black smoke pouring out. And Carrie hasn't watched the end of this video, but I watched it until the end. I haven't. And it's seriously like, it's going to haunt my dreams forever because it's just like there was a journalist there and he pans over to the side door where everyone's trying to get out and everyone's stuck in the door. There's like a, like, it's like a four foot wall of people on top of each other. Black smoke is pouring out and they're just screaming bloody murder. It's horrifying. And this guy's just standing there filming him. But like, it's crazy to me. Like they were enjoying the show. The fire had clearly started, but they're just standing there enjoying the show. And then all of a sudden there's a turning point and they're like, fuck, but it's after it's way too late. So that's the crazy thing to me is that like, how do you not, I mean, you wouldn't know what was going on. Cause it was pyrotechnics. And so it was meant to go right. off. And then, and I've seen, I mean, in the video, it's not immediately apparent yeah. that it has set fire to the wall. There, yeah, there's a lag. That's true. There is a lag. But then there, there's, at the camera, we, you watching it can be like, dude, that's not fucking normal. But right. you're right. There's a lag with the audience. Right. The audience like, is still reacting. just like having so much fun. The band's uh, still playing. Yeah. But like, it's the same thing with this, right? Where like, there's this small fire. And I mean, obviously it spreads super quickly, but like. By that time, by the time anyone realizes that you're just fucked, which is so scary and gross and horrifying. Anyway, this like that opened me up. This whole thing this week <laughs> opened me up to like a whole new horror because like crushing is bad enough, but then crushing and fire. The only thing that makes me feel better about fires is that you would inhale smoke and pass out <sighs> likely way before you would burn. Likely. If you were not in an enclosed space, though. Like yeah, if the you were stadium, in, yeah, the stadium may you're not. You're like, fucked. Mm. No. Anyway, know. so that was a particularly <laughs> horrifying one in 1985. Um, and the last one we should talk about was that, I don't know how to pronounce this one either, but it was the Hazel, H-E-Y-S-E-L, stadium disaster. And this was in Brussels, in, also in 1985. And this one was important for Hillsborough because this was a... I, it, it was probably some important game in soccer. I don't fucking know. But it was Liverpool versus Rome, I think, or an Italian team of some type. And because the fans were so insane and drunk, they would separate out the different teams' fans because they knew that they would fight each other. And in this match, the Liverpool fans broke down the fence oh, and, shit. like, attacked the, <gasps> the Italian fans and ended up, like, crushing oh. 30-something people. Oh, my God. So it, so this was because of hooliganism. Yes. This, this particular one was totally because of hooliganism. And so, and it gave Liverpool fans a really bad reputation. It gave just English fans a really yeah. bad reputation. And it made police officers very wary of dealing with soccer crowds that it was always just on the verge of spinning out of control into like drunken chaos well and didn't it also affect how they um placed people in stadiums and then also um why they included like barriers between the pens yes so like after that right was it after that no or had it been put in place before that too in the, I feel like it was in the early 80s. So what, how it used to be was, the, the, I love that I know about this because once again, I don't give a shit about soccer, but behind the goals, there were just like, like standing, it was like, like whatever, um, bleachers basically, but yeah. it was for standing, it was terraces to stand on and they were just open all the way across. And there was this idea that that was unsafe because people would like sway back and forth and so they put in they they divided them up into like different pens and then they put in like sort of these um it was almost like like little 
kind of barred, um, like something you can almost like kind of lean on. Yeah, like in, barriers. Just yeah, like, like they were in, like gates, right? Kind of. You can see photographs of them. Um, and I think they were recommended that they do that, that that was considered safer, but as we'll see, that actually made it yeah. less safe. Fucked everything so, up. Th- but there were an attempts to make these stadiums kind of safer <laughs> after some of these Jesus. things have happened. So. So, um, some, a quick fact about Hillsborough too. Um, so you included that it was built in 1899, but it has a capacity of almost 40,000 people. Uh-huh. And this is important too. For later on. It, it is. It is. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. We have one more to talk about, too, with the background. At Hillsborough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in, what is that, 1981? I think there was another. Yeah, go. No, you go. Uh, there had been another, same thing, like, championship game of some type. And um, there was crushing again that was so bad that the cops had to open up all of the perimeter gates like and onto the field, onto right? Onto the field and pull up, pull out all the fans, and then they just let the fans like watch the game from the field, and they were like, "Okay, if we hadn't done that, people would have died." Like that's what everybody was saying. Oh, like, so no one died. In no that one died, one. but people who were there that day were like, "It was really fucking scary." And had yeah. they not done that, like people totally would have been crushed. Ugh. So same stadium, exact same circumstances, and then after that, they just were like, "Ooh, whatever." So <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, okay, so this even you have even less of an excuse, which we'll get to later. Okay. <laughs> All right, so should we talk about the disaster itself? Yeah, do you want to do you want to start with the the hazing thing, which is also what oh the my BBC God. documentary starts with? Which yeah, is, which it makes no sense. If that fucked me up, I was like, why is this happening? Yeah, but I guess it is kind of important. It's kind of important because it sort of it sort of sets up why things were fucked up. I think honestly, what it is is it's like a way to, I don't want to say revise history, but to change people's perceptions of history to get, like, this idea of, like, and we'll talk about this later, but, you know, the the blame was put in the wrong place for so many years mm-hmm. that it's like, hey, you know what? We're going to get to the fucking beginning of this story. So start us off, girl. So, so this takes place, so Hillsborough Stadium is in Sheffield, England, which is in the north of England, which is famously fucked up i imagine really? yes so i imagine the equivalent is the south in the united states oh yeah like yorkshire is known to just be gross and oh, fucked up and corrupt ew. and like just icky okay so the cops are known to be really weird and and uh just unethical i think and so there was this random hazing incident, which the BBC documentary does a good job going into, but doesn't really matter. But basically two police officers pretended to like kidnap another police officer and like put a gun to his head and then like pretended- Didn't he poop his pants? He did. And like pretended they were going to kill him and he like, yeah. yeah, like shit his pants. And then they like took off their mask. we like, ha ha ha, just kidding. Which, oh my God, imagine how embarrassing that would so be. So embarrassing, so awful. And so because of that, I mean, the whole police department got in trouble and the superintendent, which is basically the chief of police, got transferred. Yeah. And a new guy was brought in who didn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Right. And this old guy did know. Yes. He was like, wasn't he kind of like an expert in like organizing crowds during major events like that? Yeah. Yeah. He had like had 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 a bunch of experience. Lots of times. So, so this new guy's name is David Duckenfield. Seriously, mm-hmm. 
David Duckenfield. Yeah. And he's young and doesn't seem real bright and not a hottie. Not, not a hottie. He's got these weird glasses. I don't know. Which I think P.S. are the same glasses Paul had through his childhood. <laughs> the same glasses Jeffrey Dahmer. Which, yes, exactly. <laughs> cute. Actually, they're kind of cute. Okay. Oh, David. All right. Um, so this uh, particular event happened during the FA Cup semifinal. I don't know what the fuck I don't know what that any is of that either. shit means. <laughs> FA, what, I don't know what FA means. I found, found myself asking that all week this week. What does FA mean? No uh, I have no idea what the significance of semifinal cup, no, cup semifinal means. I'm assuming it's like a playoff. I think it's a playoff. Something like that. Okay. I yeah, I don't know. So it was a game between... Liverpool and Nottingham Forest, which I really love that because that's Peter Pan. Yeah, exactly. Which, like, I d- didn't even know that was a real place until Hillsborough. Like, it's a real ass place. And this it's is, fucking England. This is just full of, like, fairy tale sounding names. Yeah, it's and England. So, it's England. Oh, yeah. my God. So, um, oh, oh, my God. Whoa. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I put little notes in there oh. because I was like, seriously? That's awesome. Okay, so what happens is, right, everyone's traveling, I guess, from Liverpool, where a lot of these fans traveled. Wait a second. This was on neutral ground. Yes. So the people from Nottingham Forest and the people from Liverpool were both traveling to 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 Sheffield. Sheffield. Yeah. Which, isn't their soccer team called Sheffield Wednesday? I don't know, but that's great. I know, it sounds so fucking cool. I think, like, Wednesday just sounds, like, really awesome. It's like, why did those two things go together? Anyway, <laughs> um, so they're all traveling. Like, the people from Liverpool had to go two hours. It was, like, a two-hour drive or something. Yeah. Um, which this will come to factor later. Because mm, seriously. Um, and then the kickoff is scheduled for 3 o'clock p.m. And they tell people to show up 15 minutes before. No, wrap your head around that. Okay. You're telling 40,000 people to show up 15 minutes before the game begins. So, mistake number one. Mistake number one. mistake number two. The first one is putting in this, well, no, that doesn't count. Okay, that's like mistake (laughs) 0.5. This is mistake one, officially. Okay. (laughs) Official number one mistake. So, hi, tell them to get there way earlier, because then they can find their seats and just get there, like, in a leisurely pace. Okay. All right. And so, okay, so the Liverpool fans show up, and the way these soccer stadiums are arranged is they try to keep it the two teams' fans from ever, like, interacting with each other. Because hooliganism. Because hooliganism. So the Nottingham Forest fans come in from one end of the stadium, and then the Liverpool fans come in from the other. They they put the Liverpool fans on what was called the Leppings Lane, once again, super British, end of the stadium. And I've gone to Google Maps, and I've looked at all this. (gasps) It's cool. Whoa. Does it look the same? Yeah. Whoa. It does. And the stadium is just in the middle of a random neighborhood. So there's like this little little tiny street that leads up to like, you know, the entrance point. Weird. And it's this very small little point. And so you have at least 20,000 people showing up to walk through this little kind of bottleneck. And I don't remember, but they had, maybe I have it in the notes here, but they had, um, okay, there were 23 turnstiles, but they only had seven open to allow 10,000 fans to get to the stands behind the goal. Okay, so mistake number two. So mistake number two. So they have way too few for too many people to go through. So as 
and they don't have enough cops out there like directing the people so there ends up being pretty much a, a near fatal crush before the game even starts so like as they're waiting outside people are getting crushed like up against the walls like trying to get in through these turnstiles and this is like the big event that ends up happening. I feel like I'm kind of like getting ahead, but this is this is all within the space of a half hour. Yeah, like, it's not no, like it's a lot of right. There's not a lot going. There's on. a lot of time there, but so they see this happening, and the cops they they're watching it on closed circuit TV, and they're like, "Oh shit! Like people are gonna die if we don't open up one of one of the exit gates." So they're like, "Fuck it, let's open up the exit gates. Let's just like let everybody come in that way." The other thing that's fucking crazy during this time is that okay, so the cops are doy doys in this case. Okay, they really are, and like, um, they had um police that were on horse. They were mounted mm-hmm. police. And the fucking horse was going through this tight-ass crowd, so the horse is freaked out and, like, kicking, and people are already like, I'm getting kicked by your horse, and the cops are just like, what the fuck? Like, they're not even, they're not even, like, registering that this is, like, I don't know, I I honestly feel like there was a lot of arrogance on the cops' parts through this whole thing. There was, and I don't know if it's because they didn't know what the fuck they were doing, or if they were just like, oh, it's just a bunch of drunken fucking idiots. Right. Let's just ignore anything right. that's going on. I, I don't know. Like, they probably just really came into it with this idea that, like, oh, there's just all these people that are going to be, like, drunk idiots, assholes, you know? Which was kind of fair. I mean, because, the, the seriously, yeah, like... I know. The, mm, the soccer fans were terrible terrible i mean they were terrifying people well and and again liverpool has a reputation justifiably for being awful right yeah so they open up this this gate and and all of these people rush in through the gate to avoid getting crushed on the outside so they go through the gate and at when you go in and there's footage of this there's like photographs of what it looked like you walked in and there was just like a tunnel Right in front of it, you. It leads down. Leads down. The and there were little teeny tiny sides on both sides that were like, oh, to pen like one and four or mm-hmm. one and two or something. But nobody saw those. So And there was no cops in there. So when you walked in through, you were just like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to go straight ahead. That's the only place to go. So all this 10,000 so people, mistake number three, they four. just like allowed <laughs> all of these people to pour into the pens behind the goal. Right. And people who are in the crowds in other areas are going like, hey, what the fuck? Like, there are a ton of people at, like, over in the ends and there's not anyone on the sides. So, like, there's pictures, too, yeah. during this time of the pens on the sides and there's, like, you can see the floor. Yeah. But then on the other, on the ends, it's just, like, a mass of people. And I wanted to get the numbers for this, and I didn't. I couldn't find them. I, I forgot to put them in the notes. But the pens capacity, so there's like four pens because they've been divided up by those fences that have been put in between. The two middle ones, which are the ones like right behind the goal, I think they each had a capacity for like a thousand people. It was something like that. And oh I think, god! And I think they each had like three thousand people. I mean, oh it was something god. like so insane, like how overcrowded they were Whoa. that it's like you can't even wrap your head around it really holy shit and then keep in mind that there are six foot barriers in between them so it's not like you can just get into a pen and then move no so they've you're stopped stuck. that you're just stuck there yeah. you're trapped yeah and so all the people at the front 
obviously, as we've talked about, are being shoved up against the chain link fences, and the people in the back have no idea what's happening, Hmm. so they're just, like, pushing forward, like, oh, hey, man, I want to see the game. No. So all of the... And this is all happening within the space of, like, 10 minutes, maybe? Like, it's not, like, a long period of time. Yeah, so... This is very short. So, like... They start, isn't it? They they start opening things up at two thirty, and then the game doesn't start until three. So all this is happening, all this like the people coming in, the gate opening, um, all the people rushing in, all this is happening. Well, and I feel like the gate being opened up that didn't even happen until like ten ten to three. Really? And they shut. Shit. And so I mean, I think this is all within the space of like fifteen minutes. Oh my god! So they let all these people in. People start like freaking out or getting crushed. They're yelling to the goalie. Like oh the goalie god. can see all this happening, and <laughs> and is like, you have to like open up the gates. You have to let us out. And so they stop the game at three o five. So the game right. only happens for five minutes, and then they stop it. And there's a total like they the cops like kind of don't know what to do. They're like they can tell there's something going on. Fans are trying to climb the fences. They're pushing the fans back in because they yeah. get drunk and trying to, like, rush the field. And they're, like, screaming, hey, there are people dying in here. There was one fan account, or fan account, victim account, Jesus, that's a real fan of <laughs> the Hillsborough disaster. disaster. But, like, an account where it was, like, a younger, a younger guy. And he was up against one of the shorter barriers, like the, I think it's like one of the crush barriers. And that the surge behind him was so tight that he was completely doubled over the fence. So just the top half of him was hanging and he couldn't feel the bottom half of him. And he was like, like starting to pass out, like was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And like starting to pass out. And he said he could just smell vomit all around. Like all these people were had like puked. People were starting to turn blue. Shit themselves. Yeah, shit themselves. It's... They said it was just awful. And then everyone's screaming. I mean, the people that, like, they said mostly it was really silent. And, like, the, the front part where everyone was being crushed because, obviously, it no can't. one had any breath. But, like, there were people in there just screaming, like, let us out, let us out. And, like, one of the things that fucks me up the most. So, like, okay, at 3.05, they stop the game. And there are these gates that, like, they did in 1981 that they opened. So at one point, the gate pops open because there's so much pressure behind it. And they're like, yes, we get to get out. And the cop fucking closes the gate again. It's like, no, you gotta yeah. stay in there. No, and they're screaming, we're dying, we're dying. And it pops open again, and he closes it again. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? So all of these cops thinking that they're drunk, like, with this, like, preconceived notion, like, even though people are screaming and, like, like, they can see people turning blue, they're just like, oh, whatever. They're drunk. They're soccer hooligans. So, okay, the other thing that happens during this time, just, like, while Carrie's finding that, um, people started, because in addition to, like, being pushed up into the front, like, it seemed like the crowd was super aware of what was going on. So people on the terrace above them started reaching down to like pull the people up. And there were these like, sp- I guess there were spikes or something. Fences. And this one guy was talking about how he was just going to try to get up there because even if he got impaled, he probably wouldn't die. But he knew that if he stayed down there, he would have died. And he, he got pulled up and survived. Jesus Christ. All right, so this is from the book, and this is a description of what it was like to be in there. 
So within minutes, over 2,000 fans walked into the ground. That's after the, that gate was open to allow everybody in. The pens were now holding twice their capacity. At first, there was enough room to push through to the front. Moments later, the pens were packed so tightly that no one could move their arms, let alone their bodies. Quote, I've never known anything like it. I've been in crushes where you can ease the pressure by turning or finding a bit of space. This was different. It was a real heavy pressure. Then it hit me. I couldn't breathe. End quote. With the teams on the pitch, the crowd was noisy, chanting and cheering the names of the players as they were announced. But in pens three and four, people were screaming while others fell silent, unconscious. I couldn't believe what was going on. This is a quote. No one could move, not an inch. People around me were contorted in whatever position they'd been compressed. Heads were locked between arms and shoulders, their faces gasping in panic. I'd been in packed crowds before, but I knew this was different. We'd all been uncomfortable for nearly half an hour, but thought it would sort itself out once the ground was full, everyone in, and the game underway. It didn't happen. Once the teams were out in, it seemed the, it seemed to tighten. I was bent forward, here we go, from the waist, my full weight pressing down on the people in front of me. At first, the pain in my back was sharp, but then it was in my chest. Suddenly, it hit me. I was going to die. In pen three, it was bedlam. The pressure was so great that the fans at the front were squashed into the perimeter fencing, their faces distorted by the mesh. Most of these people had fallen silent, either already unconscious or unable to snatch breath. Quote, I suddenly realized that the guy next to me was dead. Ugh. His eyes were bulging and his tongue out. It was sheer horror. People had lost control of their bodies and the smell was horrible. Ugh. There's also a really horrible thing where they talk about, like, seeing a little kid, like a little boy, and at first you just, like, see his head and then he just goes under. And then the person's like, I knew that kid died. There, I knew there was, like, no hope. And, like, there was another thing where they talk about being pressed so close together that, like, some people, you know, you could, I mean, like, you know, you could see their, like, shoulders and stuff. But, like, there were some people who only their head stuck out because they were pressed so tightly again, like, in between other people. Oh, God. Jesus. Could you imagine that? That would be so fucked up. Okay, so the picture that fucks me up, which is the different series than the one you're talking about. There's a, a tall guy who has a perm, unfortunately. Oh, no. And he's kind of going like this. He's got, like, a white shirt on. And there's a woman who's in front of him. And he's clearly trying to, like, protect her yeah. from the full brunt of the pressure. So he's kind of going like this. But he's yeah. she's in front of him. And she's completely mashed up against the <gasps> fence. I'm sure you've seen this. Her, her like, lip is kind of uh-huh. like this. And she's totally blue. Um... And yeah, she died. And she has like vomit on her head from the guy because he was being pressed so hard oh, that I guess God. it just like makes you throw up because it's just the yeah. compression Everyone on your stomach. Everyone talks about vomit. Everyone says that they've got vomit all over their jumpers. Their jumpers. Which I like, think is a sweater. It's a sweater. Yeah. Ooh. And I'm like, this guy survived. And I'm like, that's. Oh, God. Yeah, he lived. I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's not something you ever get over in your life. No. See, this, like, topic, I've said this, like, a million times, but seriously, like, there's, it's so sad, there's, like, not even anything to make fun of. I can't even make fun of the man's perm, because seriously, (laughs) he just probably has such bad PTSD. Oh, my God. And it was 1989, and just bad hair was was abundant, especially in Europe. Oh, Oh my God. God. This is very, the whole thing vibe of this is very like Berlin Wall. Like all those photographs of like East Germans kind of, you know, 
striking out against tyranny, but you know the clothing style of it's yeah. uh, this is very of that ilk, that kind of just a lot of sweatshirts. Yeah, very very and tight tight jeans with white tennis, tennis shoes. shoes. Yeah. yeah, it's and perms and perms. It's very it's very grim. I know it's so sad. I can't even laugh at it. No, it's Ugh. horrible. I know. It's very working class England. Okay, so <laughs> after all this fucking shit happens. Uh, the, the cops are still just like, what the fuck? And they have, at this point, have realized, oh shit. So instead of, like, going into action and being like, hey, we're going to open these gates, they spend their time radioing in oh, to fucking David... Duckinfield. Duckinfield. Who's in the control like, booth watching yeah, all yeah. this happen. And they don't get a response. So they're like, hey... Can we open up these gates? Like, what are we going to do? There's people dying down here. Radio silence. So that's mistake number, like, 20. I don't. I lost count, but seriously, like, that's number 20. So the cops are just standing there. That's smart. And then I don't know what happens to, ca- like, cause it. I don't know if, did Duck and Field ever say anything? I mean, I think there were some cops. I mean, it, it sort of fell apart but i think there were some car cops who were like oh shit like, like we, we need to do, do something, something about this i think there were some who didn't yeah but i think there were sort of like rogue cops who were like all right let's just fucking open up the gates and then they started like pulling people out yeah so i mean this is all within a very short period of time right so this is like 305 right 305 the game, the game stops they yeah they stop the game they, they open up the gates they start trying to pull people out but yeah so they pull people out onto the field and are laying everybody down who's unconscious or, or dead or who knows what in between. And they the response is so badly coordinated they can't even get any ambulances. Like the ambulance is like to get onto the actual field. Everyone else is like stuck in traffic outside. Well, so this is the other crazy thing too that I was reading in this book, Hillsborough, the truth. Um, they were saying that the call ca- the calls that were coming into the ambulance were like um, um, infant with like some kind of injury, infant in cardiac arrest, and then like man with crushing injury, but it was not like, yo, we're Just having a fucking people. disaster down here, and then it like it was ne- it was never communicated in the correct way, so what happens is like, there's no like no help coming really, and people. This and this is actually kind of heartwarming. The crowd starts fucking going into action. They do, and they start grabbing like they take down those like advertising signs on like the side of the thing, and they start putting injured people onto them. They start doing mouth to mouth. They keep talking in in this book about the heart massages, which I really love. That sounds. Just I love like, the idea of a heart so massage. So comforting, like. <laughs> massage my heart it's just really tender um so that so they really are just like jumping into action and trying to do anything that they can but then i think there's also a lot of people who are really pissed off and freaking out yes and i would be one of those people yes yeah and so the the cops are i think getting a little bit of abuse justifiably i think in a lot of cases yeah and but there's also people who because they don't know any better. I was reading about this that if you took somebody else who has compressive asphyxia, whatever mm. it's called, and you lay them on their back, yeah, they'll die. 
in that position. Really? Yeah, like, that's not good. Like, you need to do other things, but because there were no paramedics there, a lot of, they think, like, of the people that died, like, 41 could have been saved (gasps) if if there had been paramedics there. That's, like, half. That's, like, half of them. I know. Oh, no. So, yeah. So, I mean, there was just, it was just, like, a clusterfuck, like, in all realms. Okay, so this is, like, mistake 40. Mistake, yeah. Yeah. 43. Well, like, mistake, like, 500, because I'm sure there was just a lot of them A lot that we don't even know about. Oh, no. You know, and so, yeah, so they, like, they take people to the hospital, mm. a bunch of people are dead, and then, mm. and then this book spends a lot of time talking about what happens after this, yeah. where they have, and this is actually pretty horrifying, so they have all these dead people. Oh, God. They don't know who they are, and so they take, po- they take them to a boys' school in a gymnasium. Yeah. There's just a bunch of bodies in, like, a gymnasium. They take Polaroids of their faces. Well, they cleaned them off first with a sponge. Remember, good work. <laughs> Making them get, getting the vomit off mm. off the faces. Take Polaroids, and then all the families who like their family members just like don't show up. They go to this gym and they have to like look through the Polaroids and figure out if yeah the like, dead Polaroids the dead people Polaroids. Oh my god. So I mean, it was just the whole thing was just handled horribly, obviously. Um. So this is the other thing that was really, really bad. So this is so evil. So, okay, like all these families start showing up. Um, okay, so for, okay, rewind. So remember back at the beginning, we were talking about how Liverpool is like two, two hours away. So families are seeing this shit happening on the news. They're getting calls, hey, this is happening. And they're like, Fuck, my kid's there. Fuck, my brother's there. All this shit, right? So, of course, and I thought, this is, like, what I thought about so much this week. Like, if that were happening and I knew one of my, like, loved ones is there, of course, I would, like, you would go. Mm-hmm. But, like, imagine what that two-hour drive was like. It would be oh, so horrible. Like, what do you even do or, like, talk about or think for two hours while you're, like, trying to figure this shit out? So they get there, right? They start arriving. And they end up putting them in this, like... They have this area, it's like a boys club, um, but they said it like has like nasty toilets and is like really nasty on the inside, like it's not a good place. And they're like, this is where we're going to stage the families. We're going to give them tea, okay? Hopefully they like won't be too freaked out. We're just going to give them some tea here. So England, yeah. Yeah. So the families start arriving and they're like, okay, you guys, like there are all these buses. And so like some families are like, hey, well, okay, first off they're like, who are you looking for? They'll give them the descriptions. And for so many people, they're like, oh yeah, that doesn't match any of the descriptions of these people. So then they have this hope like, oh my God, my loved one's in the hospital. Or they're like on this bus that's coming from the stadium. That's going to like, I'm going to be able to see them. Um, turns out like for all of them, like actually their family members were dead. So they're sitting in this thing, like just waiting to hear anything. Their hopes keep getting up. And then they end up getting, it's like, it's just such a fucking jumble. They end up taking them to this gymnasium and having them look through the pictures. And like, all of them are like, oh, sweet. There's my, like, there's my, my kid. 14 year old. There right. he is. Yeah. Right. Ugh. So once they've identified their like family member, they then have to do like, like once they've done it from the Polaroid, they then have to do it in like person. So what they do is they have them stand at this window and they roll the body up in a body bag and they unzip it. And then you get to see their face. 
Um, and then you say, you know, yes, that's my child. And like, in some cases, these parents just like really wanted, and in some cases they got to go like spend time with them. Um, but like, it sounds like a lot of them were, they were like not given a lot of time to mm-hmm. be with them. Some of them said like, this is the property of the coroner mm-hmm. and people are like, what the fuck? Like, actually, this is my child. Um, some people aren't allowed to see them at all or like touch them. And so, like, I think this was a huge, awful, evil thing for people um, that they weren't able to even, like, it's like, oh, I brought this kid into the world and now you're not even going to let me go kiss his face now that he's dead. Um, So there was, like, a ton of misinformation and then a ton of fucked up shit. And then the other fucked up thing is that right after that, so once they made those positive identifications, the police brought him in and were like, how much did they have to drink tonight? It's like... You're talking about my fucking 10-year-old. Seriously. And they took blood alcohol levels of, of, all, of the, all the dead people. Yeah. Even the children. So, yeah. yeah. So, there, I mean, there was... The implication was, oh, these drunken fans, you right. know, went crazy and caused this. And they were just trying so fucking hard to have that as an excuse. They did not want to admit that they had any wrongdoing. Exactly. And in the BBC documentary, one of the things that really stood out to me is like, I guess cops would carry around this little book that would have he, the cop and it was talking about how like every good cop has like seriously a detailed account of like everything that happens to mm-hmm. them. And they, they like got all the cops together afterwards and they were like, give us your books. And he's like, no good cop would ever give up his book, you know, but they were like forcing them to get rid of all the evidence. So already from the get-go, they're like, We're covering this shit shit. We fucked up. Yeah. So let's blame it on these drunken fans and cover everything up. Yeah. So mistake like (laughs) 1,822. Jesus. Ugh. Um, Yeah, so, and then press coverage almost immediately was, I mean, the British tabloids are insane, and it was very like, oh my god, these drunken fans went nuts. They were doing crazy shit. They were like peeing on dead bodies. They were, you know, pickpocketing dead bodies. Oh they my were god. punching police people in the face who were trying to save people's lives. All of this shit was just like made up. Like they yeah. just made it all up. And then then in starting in 89, but I think went until 91, there was an inquest into what happened. And they were very sort of unwilling to hold the police responsible at all for what had happened and very much were like, oh, you know, kind of shit happens in in crazy soccer games. What can you do? And so they and the Liverpool fans were blamed for pretty much were blamed for what had happened. And so fucked up, which is so. okay. how many people died total? Ninety six. 94 died the day of, and uh-huh. then two people were in a coma. One person was in a coma for not that long, and then they pulled the plug, and the other person was in a coma for, like, 10 years. Oh, <gasps> shit. I mean, like, a really long time. Whoa. And then there were, like, I think, I have it in here somewhere, but at least, like, two other people. Here we go. Um, uh, oh, three were, people. Mostly male, so 89 males, 7 females. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. And then 3 people have killed themselves since. 
So yeah, because how do you even live with yeah, that? Yeah, the PTSD I'm sure is intense from that. So God. yeah, and I guess like alcoholism and all that kind of stuff is like really high from people who survived and for the cops. Like the cops are like oh yeah. So if we do we do decide to edit stuff in later, like this could be a good time to do it. But yeah, there's a good BBC Ugh. interview with a cop who's just like clearly clearly so fucked up yeah from it that quote fucked me up so badly like how he just describes about how he's just sitting there like isn't it at like a railroad crossing or something that's down and then he just realizes that he's like crying and peed his pants yeah i mean Mm. there's no more classic description of ptsd than that and i mean and that's just such a vulnerable thing to admit that like on on tv but like the way he talks about it is that it was like so shocking and really bizarre like he was just like like, like, shocked like what's going on yeah right now oh my god holy shit oh my god it's so crazy um and then in 2009 something called the hillsborough independent panel began to reassess what had happened with the crime and this was it was long but this was finally where they found the police uh, responsible for what had happened, which is why David Duckenfield has now been, I think, conv- I think convicted. I'm pretty sure he's been convicted. So like from 1989 though to like 2009, that those 20 years, wasn't it like, like the? Because I know there was like a, there's a lot of activism with like the families around this whole thing because they knew that this whole thing was fucked up. But like, weren't there like multiple kind of like, they would like go to court trying to. Um, get like names cleared or like get the record kind of shown because there was all these documents these documents were released or whatever that came out and it was like the police witness accounts but there's fucking like redactions and edits on them and so once these things came out it was like yo you guys like clearly you've done something to try to like doctor this and make it different so like weren't there like multiple things along the way that like the families were yes. trying to, yeah. I don't remember the details of I don't all of that. But this whole book. It was like a long battle. It was a long battle. Yeah. And that's a lot of what this book is right. about is that process of right. getting to the, where they are now. Where the fans have been exonerated and it's been blamed on the police. Yeah. And this is a lot of energy to spend on like one soccer game. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a lot. But England is its own special place culturally and i think this was a major deal there so i have another question okay so like this david duckenfield guy in 2009 was found guilty no last year he was found guilty oh okay so recently so last year he was found guilty is he like what is his i don't know like i don't know if he's gonna go to jail like i i I have no idea he's old now though he like fucking did nothing though i mean like he literally did not act i know and i'm sure he was just like Oh, fuck. But, like, clearly not the guy for the job. No. And, like, so I kind of feel bad for him, but at the same time, if you fuck up that badly, it's your sort of responsibility to be like, all right, I fucked up really badly yeah. here. I need to atone right. for this somehow. Let's not do, I mean, like I'm sure a police cover-up. He didn't want all those people to die, I'm sure, but at the same time, you have to take responsibility. They're like, ooh, we didn't do a good job. Yeah, don't fucking blame the crowd and then try to cover your shit up. No. No. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what's happening with him now. Oh my god. Um, and then how about the changes? Like, what changes have resulted from, in, like, terms of stadium design? 
Um, after this, a pretty, I mean, almost immediately, I think after this disaster, they were like, okay, so those whole terraces behind the goals, we're not going to do those anymore. Like those go away. Yeah. So it's only seats. Um, oh, they only have seats yeah. now? Mm. Which is, I mean, smart because it's just, that's too dangerous. Yeah. But I've read people who are into soccer that it's completely changed the tone of soccer, that it's no longer a working class sport because it's too, to buy a seat is too expensive for poor, you know, poor people, which is who used to go to soccer games. So like the whole sport has been sort of gentrified because of this incident. I, not that I really care, because I, I don't, because it's fucking soccer. But. I mean, this is what I'm thinking, though. Okay, I could take the cynical view and be like, that's how you get rid of the poor people. Y'all are trying to fucking do it anyway. Just bring back standing room only. But I don't actually believe that. That's my cynical view. It's okay to have a cynical view. Yeah. But, like, I mean, what, would you rather just, like, have crushing incident? I mean, you know, I mean, like, it's... I mean, I think it's fine now. Yeah. I mean, I think having seats is safer, and it's a. I mean, it's not like it's not like fucking water. It's it's a right. fu- it's a soccer game. It's right. who cares? If I people know. don't get to go, okay. <laughs> you know, it's a, I don't care. I know. I don't. I don't care about that aspect of it. I care. I care about things like this where people die in really awful ways. In, that they weren't expecting. Right. In, in things that were supposed to be fun. Oh, Like, no, no, no. that's very interesting to me. Yeah. That, like, sort of soccer, I'm like... Who cares? <laughs> well, I know, but, like, these people who are bitching about it, it's like, just... Would, you'd rather have people die? Like, what the fuck? You love the sport. And, like, that's what all these people said, right? Is that, like, I just thought I was going to go to a soccer game today. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to go and, like, watch a bunch of people die. Like, that's horrible. Did I tell you about my scary incident at a Soundgarden concert. Did I tell you that Oh story? my god. No, but I love how you always have a thing that, like, relates. I'm gonna That's pee. That's amazing. I'm gonna pee. So, okay. I'll, I'll be back. Okay, I'm gonna stop this. You can pause it, but... I'm, I don't even know if this story is worth recording. Oh my god, no, it was, really But it was scary. Start. Okay, so let's hear about your Soundgarden story. I'm so excited about this. Which, R.I.P. Chris Cornell. Seriously, R.I.P. Chris Cornell. He killed himself too, didn't he? Did he? I thought it was a drug overdose. No, I think he killed himself. I don't know what the fuck's going on, man. Uh, okay, so 1995. Memorial oh. Stadium. Oh. Okay, so, I mean, I wouldn't say height of Soundgarden, but pretty close to height. Yeah. Like, right there. And I, we, me and a friend of mine go and I'm very, I'm very like naive and new to the whole, I think world of concerts. Maybe my first concert. Yeah. How old were you? 14. I feel like I was 15, but if I was 15, then it was 94. I was 15, maybe it was, it was 15 like, or 16. But maybe it was early on. No, cause I, it was probably summer. No, it was summer. Okay. So go to this, go to the concert, go in and it's just like, a mass of people because it was in the stadium like just kind of on the ground part of it so we end up there's the mosh pit because of course there is because it's 1995 (laughs) did anyone have a shirt on in the mosh pit I don't know but no I'm I'm just gonna say no they did not no shirt (laughs) not a shirt among them tied around their waist oh my god with those long shorts and boots black boots 
It was it was an yes. interesting time. Then there was like a sort of area for the security, and then there was a you know steel fencing that mm. came up to like here. Mm-mm. So, and I end up for some reason right up against the steel fencing. I don't understand how that even happened. Oh my god, that's kind of fun though. Hey, you're right there in front row. Kind of fun. But it wasn't. So opening act, but Screaming Trees was the opening act. Oh my god, I love Mark Lanigan. So 90s, oh my, oh my god. god. So I'm in the, I'm there, and it's really hot. The sun's beating down. And I, I'm a fainter. I'm a fainter. That's just something that happens. So I'm up against the fence, and I start to feel like the pressure of the crowd against me. It's not pleasant. Okay, so like, what did it feel like? It felt like everybody behind me was, like, moving in way too close. But I could tell it wasn't... It was more than just, like, a person coming up against you. Like, there was more energy behind it than that. So I've been at shows before where, like, um, you're... I Like, where I've been, like, off of my feet. I've been, like, held aloft by other people that are taller than me and, like, yeah. kind of moved around. Is it that kind of thing? It. I wasn't picked up. I mean, so I don't mean, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't as scary as it potentially could have been, but it was an unpleasant Girl. feeling. No, that sounds like a, cr- that sounds like a pre-crushing situation. I mean, I was up against, like the fence Ugh. was like, like cutting into me. That does not seem like a good idea to have a fence that length. No, it wasn't good. I didn't like it at all. So that's happening. That's not cool. I'm not enjoying that. And it's really hot. I have no water. I've got nothing. And so I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel great. And then my vision just goes, no. did I tell you this already? It goes, whoop. And it just goes no. away. Were you like, fuck. And everything's just black. And I was like, God damn it. I can't see anything. That's not good. Like, that, that's not good at all. Oh, so I'm shit. standing there. I'm like, okay, I'm blind. I can't see anything. And then I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to faint. That's awesome. Because like, you can feel no. it coming. It's like, okay, all right, here it comes. And there's nothing I can do about it. So uh, the next thing I remember is, is like the people behind me, like pushing me back up. And then I, then my vision, no, it didn't come back. I take that back. My vision had not come back yet. It was still, I was still totally black. And I was like, shit, I still can't see anything. And I hear, I hear somebody say, pull her out, pull her out, pull her out. And so like security like pulls me out over the fence and they give me water and they're carrying me back. And I can hear people be like, oh, what's she on? That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, and, no. And as soon as I drank water, like my vision came back and I was like, okay, cool. Girl, you were the modern day Liverpool fan. They just automatically <laughs> assume that you're on some kind of substance. Yes, yeah, you're right. But you were actually being crushed to death. I was being crushed to death, and I was, like, 15. I was not cool enough to be on any kind of substance. So that was it. And then I just went and, like, stood in, like, the back of the crowd and sort of watched Soundgarden. (laughs) But I saw saw Soundgarden in 1995. That's cool. And Screaming Trees, 1995. Were you embarrassed? Yeah, I was super embarrassed. Uh, Because that's always the worst thing when you're in a situation like that. It's just, like, everything's so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Oh, my God. Your entire teenage years were... Ugh, so embarrassing. So embarrassing. (laughs) Girl, but that's the thing, right? At that stadium, they... And they were talking about that, where, like, they were wondering why... If someone... Like, there was this one thing I read where they were like, if someone fainted, why didn't they just put them up and pass them back? Because I guess that was, like, a common thing. Like, if you fainted, they would just, like, pick you up, and they, like, you know, like like you'd crowd surf back to where someone could help you. Oh, my God. 
Girl, could you imagine? That would be even worse if you had gotten, if you had crowd surfed. Because they talk about when it, when it was a lady, they'd all get real excited. They'd start hooting and hollering. Dude. Because ima- imagine that. At a sound garden show, all these grunge men being like, yeah. With touching your boobs. Yeah. My sad little teenage boobs. Yeah. Girl, they'd be so into it. I know if you had a skirt on, which ooh, I did not. I thought God. I thought ahead. I didn't. didn't Good do job. That. Oh my God. So crushing disaster, narrowly averted. Narrowly averted. Good job. Um. So like, why? Why do you think this like captures your heart and mind so um, much? It's it's mostly the pictures, but it's also the imagine. I mean, it's the same reason World Trade Center disaster captures my my heart and mind, mm-hmm. which is all I can imagine is what it would be like to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. And all I can imagine is what it would be like to be fucking crushed to death in a crowd. Yeah. And I this that's gotta be one of the worst ways to go. I, I think. I wonder though if you kind of pass out and then you're just I mean, it would be scary ahead of time, but I wonder if you pass out and then it's just kind of like, whatever. That's true. I don't think it would necessarily be painful. I think it would just be more be scary. Yeah. But I think that's almost worse, is the the fear fear of that. Because not everybody who was crushed died. And so it's like, you're not sure you're going to die. It's sort of this like, oh God, I might die. Plus the thing that fucks me up is that like, there are so many people who like, were parents with their kids there and were like... Like, this one guy was talking about how he was like, I was sure I was going to die, but I knew my kid was going to be okay. And his kid died and he didn't. I know. And I you know, know. what? I, I would just want... If I were in that situation, I would just want to die like, so badly. Please, God, reverse I know, this. Please let me die. So it's just, like, fucked up the, like, immense amount of, like, family trauma. There's some people who lost, like, multiple, multiple kids. Multiple yeah. Um, who lost, like, a husband and a kid, like... It's just, it's like, it's just too much. It's too much so trauma. sad. I know. And the videos afterwards, like, they're, where they're talking to the people who went through it, who, like, lost their loved ones. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird watching them, because it's like, I mean, like, I know, I haven't lost, like, a ton of people close to me, thank God. I, I have lost them, but um, I was, like, hysterical. Like, I was screaming and didn't know where the screaming was coming from. I was like, who's screaming? And then I realized that it was me screaming. And I can't, like, these people, a lot of these people are just, like, so calm. And, like, I don't know. I mean, I know grief is, like, a weird thing. But, like, I don't, I can't imagine how, like, there's this one guy who's, like, who there, it's, like, news footage. And he's, like, talking about how his dad died. And he's just talking about it. And he looks so, he looks kind of bewildered, but he's, like, very calm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. But you just must be in such shock. I don't know. So weird. It's so bad. It's horrifying. You can't make... this. See, this isn't even a funny topic. This is so sad. No. It's not a funny topic. But I I, I don't think it needs to be to be interesting or worth talking about. Oh, no. I mean, totally. Because I think a lot... I mean, a lot of the topics... Serial killers, I think you can make funny because the people themselves tend to be so ridiculous. Right. But things like this are like, no. This is this, pretty This horrifying. is just like awful. Yeah. Yeah. I know. When you, when there's like events that have like major loss of life, I mean like even 96 people are, that's a major that's loss a, of yeah. life. It's almost hard to 
think of it not in terms of the event. You have to think of it in terms of it. I right. mean, humans are not, we're not built to think about tragedies in any sort of way other than on a singular basis. Yeah. We just can't do that. And so, yeah, so the more people that die, the more, like, our brains just are like, what? Right. It's so, like trying to comprehend, like, infinity. You just can't. It is. So the Holocaust, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Like, come on. Like, right. no. That's what we do. That's why we love Anne Frank, because Anne Frank is like, oh, one, that's, a, that's an individual. One person, a token. I yeah. can wrap my head around that. Right. No, we can't wrap our head around six million people. Yeah. We can't wrap our head around 2,000 people. We can't wrap our head around 96 people. Right. So, there well. you go. So my... I will talk about this. My uh, person in this particular disaster is a woman named um, Hazel McCabe. Oh, shit. Um, God, do I even know her name now? Hazel McCabe, I think mm-hmm. her name was. And she's the one who was, like, jacked up against the fence with her, like, lip, like, up against the... The one with the guy behind her? Yeah. But I figured out who it was, and that, like, made it really fucked up for me. I was like, what do you know about her life? Uh, she was, like, 20 or something. Ugh. She was really young, and she was a factory worker. Ugh. Which is just very, like, industrial England to me. Yeah. And I, 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 she, I don't know. She was single, and she was really, really nice. Mm-hmm. I would imagine she may have been a lesbian. She had that kind of look to her. Interesting. Or she would have discovered she was a lesbian maybe later in life. Wow. Big soccer fan. <laughs> so, yeah. But that I was like, kind of might give it away, too. That could, too. But, yeah, I'm like, there, there, there you go. There's the person who I'm like, oh, that's a real person. And they died. Hazel. And I've seen pictures, so. Mm. Yeah. Wah, wah. There we go. We can we can, we can we can end it on that note. Oh Jesus. Sad. sad yeah. So Hillsborough's sad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. What topic are we gonna do next? I have no idea. I've I've actually got no opinion about that. Actually, I think you mm. need to pick. Oh god. I have I've, to do some thinking. Yeah, you have to do some thinking. This has been very dominant. Look at the list. Look at the list. Mm. And add things to the list. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Later. Bye. Oh, there's all my albums. Oh, cool. Oh, okay, I'm going to look at pictures now.